Welcome everyone to the Polaris podcast. I am Jeremy Whitbeck, a partner of the Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, and we have with us Jeff Powell. Jeff is our Chief Investment Officer and Managing Partner. Jeff, it's very nice to talk to you today. Hi, good to be here. So Jeff, uh, this is a really timely discussion that we're going to have just with some of the recent volatility that we're seeing in the markets. And I do want to point out, you had mentioned that uh, as you go through recoveries and uh, events like what we've been through, that there's going to be different stages uh, that you go through um, in the market. And this appears to be one of them where we're certainly in a period of transition. We're seeing uh, many sectors uh, down from their uh, recent all-time highs. Um, in many cases, they're all-time highs. And uh, we're seeing certainly changes in leadership. Hoping that you can lay the backdrop for us. What are we currently seeing in the market? Well, whenever you go through a leadership change, it's it's not always a uh, crisp and and clear uh, cutting or changing of the guard, so to speak. So uh, we saw uh, kind of a tug of war. We're seeing more of a tug of war going on right now with a back and forth between seeing growth investments being in favor versus value investments being in favor. Uh, so uh, as we've discussed in this past, you know, fourth quarter of last year, first quarter of this year, very value oriented we saw really nice markets we saw a lot of appreciation in areas of the market that hadn't seen that kind of love go on uh we then saw in the second half of the second quarter uh really the beginning of a of a transition between value being in favor and growth being in favor and that is kind of carried into uh what we've seen with the market so far and uh and the fourth or the third quarter here uh, so we've seen a market that has seen growth continue to move upward. Uh, we've seen value essentially trading sideways uh, since May of uh, this year. So you've seen a, a situation where you might see indexes that are getting dragged and pulled up by the growth half of the uh, uh, the market and the, the value is sitting back and really not performing. So it just kind of drives home a point that, again, um, is value something that you should have in favor, uh, have in your portfolio? Yes. Is growth something you should have in your portfolio? Yes. Should you abandon one versus the other uh, when you're dealing with these kind of transitions? And the answer is absolutely not. Uh, you know, having both, uh, you know, if you can kind of think of a line going from bottom left to top right, and that's your desired path that you'd like to have in the way of returns out of your portfolio. Uh, imagine having one line that kind of drifts a little bit above and then you know drifts a little bit below and kind of uh, weaves in and out above and below that desired path. And if you do a mirror image of that, uh, not that they're completely opposite of each other, but just for illustration purposes and visualization purposes, if you had something that mirrored it, you know that would be growth and value. And so by having both in your portfolio, you actually travel down your desired path of uh, your portfolio much more smoothly than having one versus the other. But right now what we're seeing is growth being a little bit more in favor. You're seeing uh, consumer discretionary holding in, uh, although we've definitely seen uh, significant pockets of weakness within that uh, space. Uh, you've seen uh, consumer services, uh, which is uh, again, obviously one of our newer uh, segments of the marketplace uh, hold in uh, nicely and, and companies like Google and Facebook are the ones that are and Netflix, Disney are, are the ones that are holding that uh, part of the market up. And then we're seeing tech uh, doing well as well, uh, where it's been, again, driving. But these three segments of the market are really what's been driving uh, the market, where you're seeing uh, the other segments of the marketplace really beginning to start to show a weakness again, areas like energy and financials that were the greatest areas of strength within the market are either flat or down 
over the last three, four months in the market. Yeah, Jeff, and I, I appreciate your comment about uh, value versus growth. And obviously, value has been uh, certainly lagging the last little bit. And what was interesting is that prior to that, so really since September of 2020 through, I want to say it was March or April of 2021, growth did the same thing where uh, it was flat to even down. So even some of the, the darlings in the U.S. stock market, like Apple, had pretty sizable losses going into the, uh, the first quarter of this year. And so and I think that's a great reminder of why it's important uh, when you build a portfolio that you uh, represent both areas within the market to kind of smooth out those results in case you do get those uh, periods of lag between one or the other. And then, Jeff, you talked about some of the, the leadership changes where it sounds like tech and communication services are doing well. I'm curious if you could share your thoughts as to, I guess, how would someone, if they're trying to bolster their portfolio or try to uh, help protect against losses, how would someone go about doing that now? And, and my reason for asking is because traditionally you would go to certain sectors within the market, but those don't appear to be holding up here. Does that mean that the paradigm's shifted or what would you advise? Well, I would throw in a couple of things and a couple of reminders. I mean, your point about talking about tech and, and what it did in fourth quarter and first quarter, uh, it kind of reiterates the exact point that I was making about having both versus one and then the other. Um, the one thing that I would caution is, you know, you're going to, if you have just growth or if you have just value in your portfolio, you're going to have great times and you're going to have less than great times. And what ends up happening for most investors is they chase performance and they jump from, you know, it's, it's almost like watching the person that's sitting in you know, uh, stop and go traffic, trying to change lanes to pick the right lane that's going to move next. And invariably, you know, you sit there and you try to be patient, you try to be patient, and then you finally lose your patience, you go over and you switch lanes and, you know, to the one that's supposedly moving forward faster, and then it grinds to an absolute halt, and the one that you were just in takes off and you just sit there in complete frustration going, my God, why did I just move lanes? Now my old lanes, you know, moving and, and the one that I was just jumped into is ground to a complete halt. And that, that's somewhat how the markets work too. I mean, it, it's not that there's uh, one place that's better than the other. You know, historically speaking, 60% uh, of the time value outperforms growth, 60%. So, you know, if you were going to be an odds maker or, and you're going to bet on something, you'd be uh, solely invested in value. Um, doesn't make sense though, because there's a 40% time that, that that growth is in favor. Uh, guess what happens if you have both? You're going to have part of your portfolio that's performing at exactly the levels that you want to. Now, if you've missed out on uh, some of this, or if you've had all your money in, in value, um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing here is is to not go into extremes. So if you're wanting and, and uh, to add to your portfolio or looking to continue to diversify your portfolio, do it in phases. You know, take steps, take, take measures uh, into your own hands in order to be able to take advantage of, uh, of what's going on. So, you know, again, if we're saying fully invested, uh, you know, push over 10, 15, 20 percent of your portfolio into growth, see how it goes and then start you know, shifting a little bit uh, at a time rather than taking. Uh, an extreme point going, okay, well, I was 100% value, now I'm going to go into 100% growth and hope that this works. Any kind of extreme tends to not work well for most people. So, And then if you want to take the other extreme that, that we've seen very commonplace, and we've talked about it a lot, but it's certainly worth reiterating, is the person that sat around that's sitting in cash right now, or sitting in far too much cash, 
you know, the, the phrase bull markets climb a wall of worry is one that we continuously uh, talk about. And there are in secular bull markets, a hundred reasons to not invest in the market. You know, we're dealing with inflation, we're dealing with unemployment, we're dealing with uh, you know, COVID, we're dealing with, great, they're all, you know, you could make a laundry list of reasons not to invest right now. We're in a secular bull market, which means that they tend to melt up, not melt down. And so if you're looking at what's going on within this environment, uh, it may not make sense to you, uh, but do you wanna be right or do you wanna make money? And so the, the things that I would continuously uh, discuss is you don't fight the Fed and you don't fight the tape. Uh, right now, the Fed is still extraordinarily accommodating uh, and the tape is moving you in the right direction. You know, the markets don't go straight up. So when you see these kind of pullbacks, there are opportunities to put money in. But if you're sitting in cash, and again, insisting that you're right, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard somebody say, well, I'm going to wait for a 20% pullback or a 30% pullback or a whatever pullback. Two things happen there. One is when that when that actual pullback happens, most people are too frightened to put their money to work. So they sit there paralyzed and don't do anything with it. Uh, the second thing that ends up happening uh, in these circumstances is, um, you know, they wait so long for themselves to be correct that the markets have moved up and the net result, even with a major pullback, is still worse off if they were to put their money to work. You know, so again, you, I've heard plenty of people that were sitting in cash at the end of last year saying, "I'm going to wait for a 20% pullback." Well, you got a 31% one in, uh, in March of of last or of, of 2020. So why didn't you put your money to work there? And on top of it, look how much the markets run up now. So if if you were to see a 20% correction right now, you wouldn't even be back at the price levels of the beginning of the year. So you're going to just continuously sit on the sidelines, not having your money work for you. Uh, wondering why you're not doing more than what you're doing. It's just kind of a uh, a bass backwards way of viewing the market, uh, but it's a way for people to kind of protect their ego uh, and to to kind of uh, have uh, a better sleep at night. But is the better sleep what you know or what you don't know? Because that cash is losing you 5% per year right now with where inflation is. So do you want to be guaranteed a 5% loss or do you want to actually offset some of the inflation with having your money in the stock market? And that's a great point and uh, something that I don't think uh, is being necessarily discussed enough. Whereas uh, before with inflation, say in the uh, high ones, maybe low twos, sitting in cash, there's a lot of reasons not to, but it wasn't overly painful. But now with uh, inflation coming in in the mid fives, I mean, you're taking a big chunk of your purchasing power every year that you sit in cash. So compound that over say a two, five year, I mean, two, three, five year period. I mean, we're talking big real losses. Um, Jeff, can you talk a little bit about what dollar cost averaging means since uh, we're kind of uh, touching on that subject because you've in previous uh, communications talked about, you know, um, uh, I guess uh, make sure that you're right. Um, and I'm not saying that quite right the way that you would say it, but uh, there are ways or, guess disciplines that people can follow in doing this so that way no matter what happens they're partially correct yeah and so uh you're hitting on sort of twofold one is my favorite for, uh, phrase is that i'd rather be partially correct than completely wrong uh and dollar cost averaging does uh, basically put you in a position of being partially correct um so the kind of joke around about you know if you've got a bunch of cash sitting on the sidelines you know be correct with how you invest it and dollar cost averaging allows for you to do it. So 
uh, what I really uh, kind of been talking about within this is uh, again, let's just say that you had a um, hundred dollars in, you know, uh, I don't know. Let's make the math simple. You had a ten, you have a ten dollar stock, and you've got a hundred dollars uh, to invest each month. Uh, if you were investing at a ten dollar range, you'd be buying ten dollars or ten shares every month of this. So uh, if the stock price starts going up, you buy less shares of it. So again, if the stock goes up to 20, now you're only buying five shares of it. If the stock goes down to five, you're actually buying 20 shares of it. So it allows for you to buy more shares at lower prices and less shares at a higher price, so long as you're being disciplined with what you're doing. The advice that we're talking about is putting anywhere from 40 to 60% of your money to work immediately. Again, to your point, I mean, imagine if I came to you, Jeremy, and I said, I've got an amazing investment for you. You give me your million dollars and I'll give you $750,000 back in five years. Now, are you going to invest that way? Well, that's essentially, I mean, we're not expecting inflation to remain at uh, 5%, but it may. And if it does, that's basically what you're guaranteeing yourself is to lose that buying power. And I'm not even using compounding interest. It would actually be more, more than a, a $250,000 loss of buying power. So when we're looking at it in this kind of context, uh, you want your money to be working for you in order to make sure that you're offsetting some of this. So if you get a 10% return, your your real return is only going to be five because you get a net out inflation. And then you got to take out taxes and other things. So your money has got to be working for you and working hard for you in order to offset these other undercurrents that take away from your, your buying power. So when we're talking about dollar cost averaging, getting 50% of your money, let's say you've got a million bucks and you've got uh, you know this money sitting on the sidelines and Again, next year it will only be worth 950,000 because you just lost 5% of the value of it to inflation. Well, put half of it to work right now. 500 grand working for you as we speak. And then the other 500 grand, maybe you, you put $50,000 per month, or maybe it's, you know, maybe it's 100 grand and you do it over a five month time period, or maybe you go every other month, but you gotta be disciplined about it. You can't sit there and overthink it. So I put half my money to work, the markets pull back. I can't be like, whoa, wait, you know, I can't invest now because the market may fall down more. No, be disciplined about it. First of every month, 15th of every month, the 30th of every month, whatever it happens to be and whatever the closest day is of that. So if the first is on a Saturday, great, do it on the third. Uh, but have a kind of a, a systematic way of doing it so that you remove the emotions of investing out of your portfolio. Again, we hit on that all the time. The average investor is, is horrible at investing. Not because they're not intelligent, it's because they're emotional and they allow their emotions to dictate the decisions that go on within their portfolios um, and they don't spend enough time on it. So for us, it's about being disciplined. It's about spending a significant amount of time on, on researching it. Uh, but again, to remove emotion, we do a ton of screening uh, on our portfolios that make the statistical probabilities of being right increase dramatically. That doesn't mean that we're going to win all the time. You know, you're going to hit some landmines out there. You're going to have some problems. You're going to have some pauses in your portfolio management, but it means that you're going to be more right than wrong. And it means over time that you should win and win significantly. And that's how we manage money. That's what's made us successful uh, for the last 23 years of managing money uh, as a company. Yeah, Jeff, thank you for walking through that. And that's uh, one of those things where I think it, the beauty of it is the simplicity uh, of it. And uh, to your point, you just can't overthink it. You just have to stick with the discipline and well, with it. 
And one last thing to kind of hit on with that, I mean, and this is something, again, that we've said multiple times, but I mean, if the markets run up, you've put $500,000 of your money to work, if it runs up, then you've got half your portfolio that's at least working for you. You're not sitting on the sidelines making nothing. So you're right there, you know, and if the markets were to crater, you've got dry powder, you've got your discipline of buying that other $500,000 at lower levels when the, where the market is now. So you didn't push all in and you're not wrong from that perspective. You're right because you dollars cost average and you bought the rest of it at a lower level. So while you not, may not be 100% correct, you're not 100% wrong either. And at least you're being disciplined with what you're doing and getting your money to work so that as this market continues to rise, that you're now participating with the least sum of your portfolio. And then over time, you'll be fully invested. And then you won't have to sit there and start questioning when the next 20 or 30% pullback in the market is because you could wait four, five, six years for the next one. You know, so do you really want to wait you know, four years, five years from now to be right? Or do you want your money working for you? And, you know, again, what would be the stock market levels once that happens? So, I mean, if the markets were to continue to go up at the clips that they have been, your 30% correction, while, you know, maybe valid at some point, you know, it's, it's the broken clock correct twice a day. You will eventually be right. There will be a 20 or 30% correction. But at what cost to yourself to be right? That's the issue. Thanks, Jeff. And then I would be remiss if I didn't ask, uh, just since we uh, started off with the general market overview. So obviously, we've had some weakness in the market the last, uh, it's been a little over a week now. I'm curious if you could give us your thoughts as to some of the things that we're looking at. So for example, obviously today, uh, sitting close to the 50-day average, any insights that you'd share, just uh, taking a quick look at the where the market levels are at? Yeah, so so far this year, every single time the market has hit the 50, or you know, we've had a couple of cases where it's gone slightly below that, it's bounced. And so the markets look a little bit oversold. Um, we do seem like we're kind of in a uh, you know crossroads. I will say that if you're going off of recency bias, which I think we all have uh, a tendency to do, this looks like it's ready to bounce right off the 50 and continue to move up from here. Um, but obviously, you know, the one thing that I will say about the markets and how they've been uh, operating over the last several years is it's completely sentiment driven. So if we start to see panic, if we were to start to see other things, we would see uh, markets that may pull back a little bit further, could come back down to the uh, the 100 day, which we've seen happen a couple of times over the last couple of years, which would provide you not significant uh, pullbacks, a few percentage points. Uh, of additional downside risk uh, within this market, but nothing that looks uh, to be substantial. There's nothing newsworthy out there. We're kind of in a lull in the market where we don't have a lot of uh, earnings data that's coming to us. It's mostly economic data points. Um, and you know that's really kind of the the driving factor behind what we're seeing as we speak right now. Uh, but you know the the interesting thing that I do think that's something that's not really being talked about is, that we are seeing, as you said, pockets of weakness. So uh, when you're looking at uh, the S&P 500, 15% of the companies that trade in the S&P 500 have pulled back more than 20% from their 52-week highs. When you get into the mid-cap marketplace, it's 30%, and the small cap has almost half of the stocks in the S&P uh, small cap index have pulled back more than 20% from their highs. So we can constantly reiterate the fact that when you're looking at an index, it's a market cap weighted uh, situation. What I mean in English is that it's not a one divided by 500 index. 
uh, companies like Apple and Amazon and Microsoft and Facebook, they represent a substantial amount of the market. And as we've discussed multiple times in days past, the top 10 companies in the S&P 500 represent almost 30% of the overall weighting. So as those 10 companies go, so does the rest of the market. So we've seen areas that were doing particularly well get really, really, really beaten up. Uh, we've also seen uh, you know, some landmines and areas. So I just got done saying that consumer discretionary uh, is you know, an area that's been showing some strength along with consumer services and tech. But if you look at names like Nordstrom's uh, down over 40% from its high, Gap down more than 35% from its all-time high, uh, Amber Crombie, Kohl's, Ross Stores, Tapestry, uh, Movada. I mean, you've got all these uh, companies that are kind of the high flyers that have really gotten beaten up. And you've also seen a lot of the home builders, which again, at one point were really, really hot. The, the biggest names being uh, Pulte, which is down more than 25% from its highs and KB Homes, which is down more than, uh, than 20%. So we were definitely seeing a lot of transition going on. So it's so easy to talk in general about the markets and everything else that kind of goes along with it but you got to realize that uh just like anybody you know it's it's a it's makeup of the dna underneath it and so uh the dna of what's going on right now uh within it is is definitely in transition yeah jeff thank you so much and appreciate the perspective there um i think i just want to close with just reminding everyone that four or five percent pullbacks a year is expected um, and so as much as I know that uh, these are always alarming to people when they happen, I mean, this is the norm. Uh, what's been uh, really unusual, in fact, is just how smooth the market's been the last 14, 15 months. But I uh, think it's important to emphasize that all this is completely normal, completely expected. Of course, as a tactical firm, we're going to look to take advantage of some of these uh, price movements and price dislocations, but not anything to be alarmed about. I mean, this is what investing is all about. So with that, Jeff, um, any last comments for uh, for the group before we wrap up today? Yeah, I mean, just to kind of reiterate what you're saying, uh, there are four times a year, you will see a 5% pullback. I, I think that, you know, as you were saying that, um, people may have kind of quickly not uh, fully understood the four or 5% correction. So four times a year, you're gonna see a 5% correction. It's not uncommon for one of those to turn into a 10%. Uh, historically speaking, if you're going back about 40 years, the average intra-year pullback is about 14% while still getting 11% return. So again, uh, I don't see any reason for this minor uh, pullback that we're seeing going on right now to turn into a 10 or a 14 or a 20 or 30 like we've been hearing clients waiting for. Um, there's no reason for it from a economic standpoint. There's no reason for it from a fundamental standpoint. Uh, the biggest thing that I would throw out we don't know what the sentiment of the market is. So, um, you know, obviously we, we need to be on our toes and making sure that we're doing all the right things. If we are, then, then we should be more than fine. Uh, Polaris does not look to avoid these two, three, 4% pullbacks in the market because what ends up happening with these is it's so easy to get whipsawed, meaning like you, you change lands when you shouldn't change lands, so to speak. Uh, so we're not really looking to avoid these two, 3% pullbacks. What we are looking to do is to avoid the 10 plusers, uh, or at least to, to dampen them, uh, because it's impossible to avoid them. So, um, you know, we're going personally into, uh, from a seasonal standpoint, 
uh, some of the strongest times of the year uh, are in the fall. So I would take opportunity of any kind of pullback that we're seeing right now to get in front of the right areas of the marketplace and, and get your money working. Yeah, Jeff, and a great advice for everyone is to keep that cool head and to be thinking longer term strategy and not get caught up in the moment. Yeah, with that, Jeff, thank you so much for your time and expertise. Really appreciate everything that you've shared with us today. My pleasure. So, and to all of our listeners, thank you again for spending your time with us. And as always, be happy, be safe, and be healthy. Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice. Polaris Wealth does not offer professional, legal, or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.